Hello everyone, you're listening to America Meditating Radio. We collect wisdom, inspire each other, and empower hearts on demand 24-7. I'm Sister Jenna, host of the syndicated America Meditating Radio. Join us as we talk one-on-one with leading experts who answer life's most compelling questions. Because in a world of uncertainty, we need answers right here, right now. America Meditating Radio, a show for everyone to learn more about this amazing thing called life. Who are you? Let me just ask you that again. Who are you? of a good relationship with intentions and goals is keeping in mind that the primary aim of setting and working towards those goals is to feel the way you want to feel. The external things we want to have and do and experience, those are your secondary goals, all of which will get you back to the whole cosmic point, experiencing your core desired feelings.
Hello, everyone. Welcome to America Meditating Radio. I'm your host, Sister Jenna. That was Daniel Laporte, Desires Divine. Every thought is a prayer. Sometimes makes me get a little scared. <laughs> and yeah, I mean, yes, all good and positive thoughts, it's a prayer. That's how I interpret that. But it also allows us to consider, or at least to percolate, are my waste and negative thoughts also a prayer that emerges and manifests into real-life scenarios that have me looking at things from a very lower vibrational place, such as blame, criticize, complain, compete, judge, you know. And so we have to think that when we're pointing our finger towards somebody or outside of ourselves, the question is, did I even create the thought about this? Must have had a thought, because why is it manifesting in my life? And so the food for thought today is to really check what thoughts really serve you best and what thoughts do you now need to simply say goodbye i've had enough of you it was fun while it lasted but i'm done it no longer serves me and i feel that that's the power of meditation that meditation will help us to identify the thoughts that are no longer in service to the better part of who we are the higher part of who we are and if we can continue to pay attention and be vigilant that what you think has an impact in your life, then I don't think we'll be in the condition or the state of affairs that we find ourselves in the world today. Washington, D.C. is just on fire, at least the news media is on fire. I think I do about now maybe 15, 20 minutes a day because every time, maybe if I'm scrolling through or looking at my Twitter or whatever it might be, here it comes, whistleblower, impeachment, Democrats against Republicans, Republicans against Democrats. These people are this, these people are that. The energy that gets spread as a result of that kind of a thinking and speaking and behaving will only take us down the rabbit hole. And it just won't make us feel any better, not only about ourselves, but about each other. But we're here to talk about the power of the heart and how we can actually bring a better part of ourselves into these relationships. And sometimes we really mean well. We don't really want to hurt people. It's just that our attachment allows the words to come out in a way that it's, give me this, I want you to be like this, because it'll make my life happy. But then when there's love in my words, I'd be like, I see you with such potential. And all I'm saying is, you've got health, you've got wealth, You've got great everything around you. Use it to your advantage. So we see the difference when you speak from attachment versus when you speak from love. The love will sort of seep into the mind and the heart of the soul. But the attachment will create a little bit of conflict or it will hold back the power that perhaps you need and the other soul needs for things to work out better. But let's talk more about the power of the heart with our next guest. Amy Block, Dr. Block, has been practicing child, adolescent, and adult psychiatry for 23 years. Amy received her pre-Emily education from Dartmouth, Yale University School of Medicine, and New York Cornell Hospital. Dr. Block joins us today to discuss her new book, The Power of Heart, When and How to Get Out of Your Brain, and to share the poignant lessons she learned about the importance of living Heart first. Today we welcome Dr. Amy Block to America Meditating Radio. Good morning, Dr. Block. How are you? Good morning. Thank you so much glad. for having me. Me too. Uh, me too. I'm so glad because this particular area is an area which I have personal interest in because of a relative that struggles with, you know, just a lot of emotional and mental issues. And so I definitely do want to dive deep into your book and the work that you're doing. You were an accomplished therapist before, busy, full in control of your professional and family life, when you dealt with what you thought was a devastating, huge setback. Tell us about this setback and how it actually impacted you. Well, just as background, as you mentioned, I'm an adult and child psychiatrist. I'm a mother of... And the book, The Power of Heart, When and How to Get Out of Your Brain, is culmination of lessons I learned from my patients and also, as importantly, my personal crisis, motherhood. And in the book, I share how nothing I ever learned in my 
and experience as a physician and psychiatrist could spare me of becoming a mother to a child with a severe intellectual. And as much as I knew, as I tried to use strategies that it helped me through other crises, I was absolutely colossally wiped. Mm-hmm. And I was a type A brain devotee. <laughs> Welcome to the club. <laughs> yes. I could see my way through any situation until I could. Right. And on the second day of Emily's life, she's my second daughter, I was told by a neurologist that Emily had a brain malformation, that she might mm. never walk or talk or smile or learn, and that she might have intractable seizures. And, of course, this was unbelievably devastating because we didn't have any warning that this might happen. Um, mm-hmm. And I brought Emily home. And I remember, and for months, I was just in this kind of dark, dark place of unbearable fear about our future. Um, I had an older daughter, how this would affect her, how this would affect our family, and most importantly, whether my daughter Emily could ever have a good life. Mm-hmm. And so in a moment, late one night, and I recall it vividly, I was struggling, as usual, to help help Emily make progress. And I was exhausted and frightened and demoralized. And suddenly I was just blindsided by a force from within myself, the entirely mm-hmm. surprised. And I called that force heart, which showed up and gave me life-changing perspective and courage to keep going. And one moment I was fully in the funk, brain kept me in, overthinking, overanalyzing, using the medical model to understand Emily, doing loads of scientific research, sitting mm-hmm. on her deficits, and completely terrified of having a child with significant issues and also completely out of, out of touch with my love for her. Mm-hmm. And I remember futilely trying to make Emily's brain damage go away and desperately shaking poise at her in the middle of another sleep. Emily, as usual, was only responding inconsistently. And in the next moment, I saw Emily in a whole new light, and literally, and I was shocked, heart hit just like that. Now, when I looked, I took in Emily's sheer loveliness. It was an acute and physical sensation. It was this powerful swell of sheer love, child mm-hmm. right on a Emily as she had been, but entirely transformed by my new line of sight. And nothing had changed in Emily, but everything had changed in me. Yeah, yeah. Nowhere, and it consumed me entirely. And that was my wake-up moment to heart. And that's when I learned that once you truly love someone, fear disappears. And for the first time, I knew I could be a great mom to Emily, and Emily would be okay just as she was. Mm-hmm. And how's Emily today? Emily today is 23. Wow. And she is my greatest teacher. <laughs> she is my teacher about what hard is. And I can go into detail about what hard is, but basically hard is what Emily does. She is intellectually disabled, and she has cerebral palsy. But despite her significant challenges, all the most important things in life I see in her, and she lives life with purpose, effectiveness, love, courage, laugh. And all these things couldn't be coming from brain because her brain is, is very impaired. So I mm-hmm. know that these abilities to live life with fun and joy and death. She is verbal, and mm-hmm. she leads a really purposeful life. She loves to care for things, people, pets, and each day she lives from heart so that there is passion and purpose, compassion. Um, not to say that she doesn't get frustrated and she doesn't get grumpy and she can't 
be a nudge, um, but she is a living a really good life, a happy and fulfilled person. Right, right. It's interesting, isn't it, Amy? Because in one way, let me not say they, but family members or friends who struggle with some sort of a disability or whether it's emotional illness or mental illness, they seem okay. And when I'm around and I have to deal with them and work with them or interact, then I find I'm not okay. I'm not always kind. I'm not always thoughtful. I'm not me. But I look at this particular person that's in my life like they're just being them and they're fine. So why am I getting frustrated? You know, and this I think is where the greatest teaching occurs for those of us who have somehow karmically invited this process in our lives as much as it can be overwhelming. You know, a part of you says, well, I have to keep digging deeper then. There's no reason for me to be going through this. My brother doesn't go through it. My sister's not going through it. My best friend's not going through this. But I am. So what is my lesson here? What is it that I am being taught here? What is it that I'm being signaled that I need to understand or realize? And I only come back to this, Amy. Dig deeper, Jen. There's a lot more love in you than you could ever imagine. And as as challenging as that can be at times, when it passes and maybe you weren't kind, I go, why did you do that? Who are you? Who are you? absolutely right. And that is what I use every day um, in Mm -hmm. terms. Emily, Emily has been my guide in that. My answer to why did I do that, why was I callous, why was I impatient, why was I in such a hurry, is that I was leading with brain and not heart. And working with patients, I really understand now that even the healthiest human brain kind of settles back to unhappiness, dissatisfaction as a kind of set point. And that when we are leading with pain, even when our lives are wonderful and, and we know that we should be happy, we, we reset fear and dissatisfaction. And I think that's, you know, kind of evolutionarily, that's because brain has evolved to feel fear. It was our way of surviving. If you see a tiger and you feel fear, then you'll run away. Also to feel guilt so that we can stay within the group. And that's our set point. And that's okay because heart is our antidote. And as long as you're combining brain and it's amazing ability to analyze and process and gather information. But all of that is kind of immersed in fear. That's our brain. But if you combine that with heart and heart's openness and heart's ability to offer love, for you to be that love, then you get all of that good stuff as a complementary force. Mm -hmm. When I'm impatient, anxious, fearful, irritable. It's my call. Oh, okay. Here's my heart. Let me tap into heart so that I can see this from heart and things feel smaller and more manageable and I can offer love. Right. Right. That's so true. So let's talk about your new book, The Power of Heart. What do you mean when you talk about the heart? Because sometimes people look at it more every time I conduct a meditation, or many times, I shouldn't say every time, but a few times rather, I say, well, you know, let's go into the heart. People think it's a physical thing, but I know it's more, it's a spiritual thing. The heart, okay, one is the heart is an organ, but when the soul is feeling angry, the heart responds. When the soul is feeling loved, the heart responds. So whatever thoughts we're going through, the organs in our body definitely do feel those thoughts. So... I would love to hear your rendition about the heart and what did you discover about the power of the heart and the role it actually plays for us? So, I mean, I'll start out by saying that brain-first types, and I 
I am, and I work on that in myself. I'm a brain-first type, so I can be pretty skeptical, and I can feel that heart-first can be a little babyish or naive, and what I've learned is, so not that, that if anything, heart is bold and strong, um, and we know that because we use heart in our language all the time. We say, I need to put my heart into it, knowing when you do, you'll gather strength, courage, and hope to do something that you can't otherwise do. And we say, patients talk this way all the time, and I know I do, and we say, I know in my heart, or the heart of the matter, to convey the most profound essence of truth to something. I had a patient in her 50s, who related that she knew in her heart, and she was a very kind of high-functioning intellectual woman, but she said, I know in my heart it's time for me to take my love of law seriously and return to law school after a 15-year hiatus. Mm-hmm. And it's that knowing that is from within the heart, and we use that in our language all the time. The heart is bold, and heart doesn't break. The heart is steps in when brain breaks. When we're overwhelmed, anxious, fearful, trying to find explanations when there aren't any, trying to put one foot in front of the next. Um, And that's when, for me, heart stepped in and gave me hope and courage and perseverance and love to keep going. And that's what gives Emily her her power. So Mm -hmm. I use heart metaphor to the underused and undervalued regions of our brain. When I say heart, I mean the heart in our mind. That's beyond our intellect and that we must tap into if we want to love, laugh, trust, know ourselves to be strong and capable and whole. Mm -hmm. And also, so heart is a collection of universal longings. I've come to understand that we may have different opinions, preferences, brain aptitude, but we all have the same heart, and mm-hmm. we all have these universal longings, every one of us, for purpose, self-value, connection, and happiness, and we all have, even though it's sometimes covered up, an innate capacity for courage, hope, perseverance, love, facing uncomfortable truths, and heart longings, if we're going to get scientific and capabilities, mm-hmm. anatomically map onto regions of our mammalian brain and neocortex. But they serve as a complementary force, brain regions that are analytical and fact-finding and logical, um, that I call brain. Um, mm-hmm. But unfortunately, we've been raised, at least I was, to so strongly value the kind of fact-finding side of our brain that we often forget and are meant to use our complementary power that I call heart. Mm-hmm. There are many times that brain can't manage what life throws at us, and that's when right. heart is meant to step in. And that's what I've learned to use as a resource and help my patients use, too. Wow. Wow. That's so interesting. So the brain, okay, how... I look at it, the brain is physical, the heart is really the soul. Uh-huh. And that, the, right, so the soul has more the capacity to definitely supersede whatever the brain can function at or cannot function at. Yes. And so once we can tap into that deeper part of ourselves, we can overcome some of these physical limitations that we might. Yes. Yeah, I get it, I get it. You've said that a lot of mental anguish comes from expecting your brain to do a lot better than it can. How do we expect too much from our brains? We expect our brains, brain alone, to get us through the challenges that life throws at us. So that my situation when I was struggling with how to accept um, that that Emily had brain issues and how to help her. By going at it brain first, you know, I went in a very scientific direction. I did tons of research. I learned the most innovative techniques. I brought in physical therapists, speech therapists, 
and all of that may have helped to some extent, but most of all, I just really felt exhausted and demoralized. Mm -hmm. um, and so brain get you to a place where you can prepare, where you can plan, where you can kind of do well in a business meeting, and yet when it comes to things not working out, things being beyond you know, your kind of things not being what you wish for, brain just is constantly asking, why, why, why did this happen? And trying to come up with explanations and spinning its wheels, over-exhausting itself. And soul or heart steps in at that point to help you with, it helps create an openness to this is new, I can do this, I have the capability, I have the strength, and it offers love, which helps perceive this is a possibility rather than this is a disaster. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I get that. I and, get that. Uh, it's interesting, you know, how we, it's just one thought away, isn't it, Amy, just either I can look at this as a disaster or a possibility, that one uh, thought, that one thought. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Isn't it amazing? Jeez. I know, I know. Game changer. When we're struggling, brain doesn't really have an aptitude. And this is, you know, I use that word because we use that word for brain. You know, what's your IQ? What's your aptitude? All of that. I don't believe anymore that brain has an aptitude for love, for mm. happiness. Definitely not for forgiveness. And that's because, in the case of forgiveness anyway, and, and other things too, brain has this phenomenal memory, and it retains. And that's good. I mean, we want that memory. But when it comes to forgiving someone, brain is so retentive. We hold on to our perception of their misbehaviors. We hold on to the grudge. It makes sense to us. After all, they did that. And heart, like Emily, has a pretty lousy memory. Mm -hmm. And so heart is more about now. What is happening now? Does this grievance still serve? Can I let this person off the hook? Uh, the memory is more in the background. It's not as burdensome in heart. So that it's within heart that we have the capacity to forgive. We have the capacity to love even though the person we love has behaved in a way that we may not like. That we can get beyond all of those green kind of perceptions and fixations. Mm -hmm. Right, right. I love that. I love that. Let's talk about when and how should we get out of our brains and tap into the power of the heart? Is it when it gets really tragic for us, or is there a day-to-day -day process that we should pay attention to? Do you know what I mean? Like a lot of times when it just collapses, we're like, oh, then we go, oh, God, we have to find love. But is there a way that we can live with a kind of a balance of the love and the brain, you know, like, okay, Jen, pay attention to this. No, no, don't do it. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. And even though art came into my life in a moment of crisis, mm -hmm. I am absolutely sure that we can tap into heart purposefully, and I do that during the day frequently. Mm -hmm. You don't need to be in a crisis to get the benefits of heart. And we should be living with heart as much as we can, as much as we can remember okay, let's tap in because the benefits are useful every day. And I, I think the first step is to just find your motivation, mm -hmm. find your desire, and to ask, what's the value to me? Take the time to tap into heart. And often my patient's motivation is just really being fed up and tired of living with just a lack of love. When there's no heart, there's no love. And the wide-ranging effects of that are feelings of emptiness, numbness, indifference, 
loneliness, and they just get so tired of living that way. And my motivation was noticing at another panic how I was greeting myself in the morning. Mm -hmm. um, very brainy way. I, I would wake up morning after morning instantly listing my worries and thinking how much I had to do and how I'll never get it and how it's going to be another difficult day. And even before getting out of bed this way, I was already exhausted and irritable. And I recall one such morning as I opened the shades, I was struck by the expansive sunlight and the lovely bird song. And I realized, oh my God, this is heart. I am feeling the presence of heart. So that now I purposefully start my day connecting with heart by saying, let me know heart's love today. Let me know heart's peace today. Let heart's mm -hmm. gentleness aid my words and actions today. Let heart's moving presence in my mind. Lovely, lovely. It sort of reminds me of a question I'll ask myself sometimes when I'm going through a little bit of a moment in my life. What does love want of me right now? And it has always helped me to come out of the dark night of the soul. We have discussed a lot from your new book, The Power of the Heart. Anything else that you can share with our incredible listeners on America Meditating Radio that you can offer them to do even more, like something that is pressing on your heart that you'd like to share with the world? I think there are a couple things. I mean, I can certainly share some more affirmations if you want that are useful for me during the day and might help other people. And I also want to share how important it is that um, we use heart to make ourselves more effective. And the best way to act as heart always to simply notice whether or not you're already there. And it's a little practice. Once you appreciate heart and its powers, most times all it takes is to get, there, to get there is to have an intention to be there and a willingness to shift. So mm -hmm. feeling irritable or overwhelmed, I just ask myself, am I in heart? And often in the beginning anyway, the answer will be, I have no idea. <laughs> so start there. And a good way of knowing if you are or aren't in heart is to ask, Am I able to offer love right now? And not just to other people and the world, but also to yourself. That is also a brain limitation. Brain has this negative bias, always mm -hmm. looking for negative, and especially negative in ourselves. So that brain is always bringing home evidence of how we have failed, how we're bad, how we should feel guilty, how we're not enough. Brain is really into measuring and math, so brain will use measuring to convince ourselves that we don't measure up. And, you know, measuring is great for baking, but it's terrible when you <laughs> use it to measure yourself as not enough. <laughs> and so when you're thinking about yourself in these negative ways, that's when that light bulb should go off and say, hold on, am I in heart? And the way of knowing is, am I able to offer love right now? And right. love for oneself. Right? And yeah. that shift to you know, loving oneself for being able to be loved. Um, yes. That no matter what, no matter what our limitations are, we are all able to tap into heart, offer love, and that is, very powerful and makes us both good and great. So I, I really just to kind of counteract what brain does because brain is brain. It doesn't make us neurotic. It's just how brain works. It's yes. a useful antidote to animate our lives, to help ourselves be at peace and to feel better about ourselves. And to also, when you're in some kind of antagonistic conflict with someone and brain can take over and that means, you know, you have to be right, other person's wrong, 
I'm only going to yes. feel good if I can win this argument. This person is of no value. I'm of much more value. My opinions matter more than they do. No, that's just brain. Brain mm-hmm. really insists on being right, and brain is a kind of know-it-all. And brain is kind of vain. Mm-hmm. It's like I'm right. That's I know that. And heart that's a, is much more uh-huh. like irreverent. And heart uh-huh. is like it's okay to be wrong. And maybe we're both right. And a heart is there to turn brain on its head and be like, I'm fine being wrong. If I'm wrong, then I can learn something. Yes, yes. It's not related whether or not I'm wrong. My self-esteem is related to just who I am in my soul, in my heart. Yes, yes. It's like what we usually use at the meditation museum, that you can either be in body awareness, which is the ego self, or you can be in soul awareness, which is the heart, where the love and the moving things forward without drama can occur. And I think we always have that choice, one thought away, we can choose. Do I come from the heart? Do I come from the brain or the ego self? And recognize that there is a return based on the intention or the space in which you come from. If I come from the soul, it's going to return to me freedom, love, light. If I come from the brain where there's ego, it's going to return to me anger, frustration, being upset. You know, But we're still going. We're still going. But the choice is how do you want to fly? First class or economy at the back of the plane? <laughs> just, I mean, I'm just saying. You know, if you had a choice, you would go first class all the time. If you had a, the ability to always buy a first class ticket, you would go all the time, but instead we settle for economy. And yes. so the question is, you know, ego is your economy self. Yes. And first class is when you come from the heart. So I love that. I love our discussion. It's been really, really wonderful. Are you doing any book tours? Are you doing any book signing tours around the, the country? Well, the book doesn't come out until November 5th. Okay. So I assume that I will have those scheduled, but I'm not aware of them right now. Right now, I'm doing radio shows and trying to share this message with people out there. Well, please come on up to D.C. if you can. I would really, really love that. So it would be wonderful if you could. And in the meanwhile, leave us with a website that our listeners can get a hold of you. And anytime you want to share your story, Amy, please feel free to let us know. We would love to continue our conversation. And my website is Dr. Amy Block. Dr. Amy Block dot com? Yes. All right, beautiful. Thank you so very much. Many blessings. Big hug to Emily. Okay, thank you so much, Sister Jenna. <laughs> Take care. Bye bye. Bye bye. Wonderful conversation. We can sometimes get certain gifts in our lives that come in a way that we're like, I can't take it. And I really liked what Dr. Block was saying that, you know, I was the pipe A, I can get it. I know there's an answer to this. But there are certain situations that will occur where you can't find the intellectual answer or where it all. And then you just have to dig deeper and come from a place of the heart. So for more information, go to DrAmyBlock.com and visit us on America Meditating Radio to keep up to date on the over 1,500 shows that we've got going on here just for you. And I hope you're enjoying our wise-ish live questions that we're sending on on a regular basis. Both, you can get them on our Twitter handle or Facebook handle as well. Remember, no one can take away your happiness unless you give them permission. And we really are here to love each other the same. So let's do that. Shine your light so bright that others around you will also want to shine as bright be too. All right, take care, everyone. Here's Sanatam Kaur, people of love. Be well.
I'm Sister Jenna. You've been listening to America Meditating Podcast. You can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Did you enjoy that conversation? Because you can also listen to it on Spotify or in iTunes 24-7, anytime, anywhere. I do trust we all have inner power to become our very best. When we listen with curiosity to learn more, we grow. So thanks so much for tuning in, and do be easy on yourself. Take care.